This is the Cubicle Renegade podcast, session number three. Welcome to the Cubicle Renegade podcast, where unfulfilled desk jockeys become fearless entrepreneurs. Learn from corporate escapees and world changers who are successfully building businesses that matter. Here's your host, Caleb Wojcik. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cubicle Renegade podcast. Today's guest is Chris Gillibo, founder of The Art of Nonconformity, creator of the annual World Domination Summit in Portland, Oregon, and author of the new book, The $100 Startup. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Hey, Caleb. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. So you're my most requested guest, and I know a lot of my audience is already familiar with your blog, your unconventional guides, and your quest to visit every country in the world. So I'd like to just jump right in and start talking about your new book, if that's okay. Whatever you want. All right, cool. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea for the $100 startup? Yeah, um, like a lot of things that I've done, uh, the $100 startup was kind of an organic project. It just kind of happened as I traveled and talked with people and mm-hmm. kind of you know paid attention to what people were talking about and asking about. And so in the case of the $100 startup, I did this book tour for my first book, and I went to every state and every province in Canada. Mm-hmm. So I did 63 stops, and along the way, I, I met a lot of different people. And uh, I kept hearing stories of what I called unconventional entrepreneurs or unexpected entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I heard all these stories of um, you know people who had started little businesses without going to business school, without like you know begging for money at the bank or right. anything like that. Uh, a number of people had been laid off or fired, or otherwise just couldn't find work during the recession. And, uh, you know, they ended up starting a business based on something that they were passionate about, uh, something they had a skill in. So they, you know, kind of created their own freedom through this. And Mm -hmm. and I found it, um, I just found their stories to be really inspiring. And I wanted to capture those stories and, and then uh, take that and create a data driven model, you know, that shows people how they can do it too. So, you know, in, in one way, the book is the stories of all these different people from all walks of life who started their own business. And then, you know, the other goal is for it to be a blueprint for readers to follow who want to kind of do their own thing as well. Cool. And so you you heard from tons of people. How did you end up choosing which people to include in the book? Yeah, uh, great question. Uh, we we initially received data from about 1,500 people, I think. And uh, we, we asked for some very specific characteristics uh, mm-hmm. to be in the book. And, and those characteristics were um, you had to make at least $50,000 a year okay. with your project. Uh, and a lot of people made a lot more, but we just kind of set that as the baseline. Is that as, revenue or yeah, net income? That's, revenue? that's net, net income. Oh, net income. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's the average U.S. income. Mm-hmm. So the whole point is like this is actually something that you can, you know, sustain your life with right. and support your family with. Um, you had to have a low startup cost, you know, preferably less than a thousand dollars. And in many cases, less than a hundred dollars, you know, that's the title of the book. Um, you had to be, you had to do it using no special skills or at least no skills that, you know, couldn't be somewhat easily acquired. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all these kind of characteristics. And then from there, we start narrowing down, uh, we want to make sure we have a pretty diverse, you know, set of respondents from all over the place and all walks of life, different ages, you know, different backgrounds from different countries. And then, um, you know, finally, I guess once I got toward the final 200 to 300, mm-hmm. um, I, I had my own bias and, and my own bias is for interesting stories uh-huh. or, th- you know, things that are things that I just hear about. And I'm like, wow, how's that work? You know, like uh, I heard from this woman who has like a dog care business. And at first I was like, well, that's not very like that. Says, I don't really care about that. You know, mm-hmm. then she said she makes eighty five thousand dollars a year. You know? <laughs> I was like, wow, how does that work? You know, like and I wanted to know more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, um, you know, I heard from a guy who makes more than $100,000 a year helping people book their frequent flyer tickets. And Jeez. I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, how does that work? Because that's something you can do for free on your own, mm -hmm. you know. But obviously, like, this guy had found this specific niche. And so, so you know, I guess, you know, we went from 1,500 to, to 70 that are in the book, you know, based on some of these, you know, data-driven things and then some of my own biases and, and preferences. And so most of these people, if not all of them, are kind of unplanned entrepreneurs? Yeah, um, there are a few, you know, there are a few people that are kind of like me in the sense, like, you know, determined to be determined to go it alone, never wanted to work for anyone mm -hmm. other than themselves. Um, and so I, I tend to kind of relate to that. I mean, like, like Cubicle Renegade, that's a beautiful title, you know, like mm -hmm. I relate to that. But I also think like, I don't think everyone is like that. I think, um, you know, most people do have real jobs. And, you know, most people like, like what I call them in the book, they're just ordinary people you know, from all walks of life who mm -hmm. found their own freedom. So it's, it's much more common, you know, for them to have had a job, but then, you know, either they lost that job or they just hated it or they just wanted to do something different. And then they kind of stumbled, stumbled on it. Um, so it's more of that kind of thing. Do you think the qualities of being an entrepreneur are learned or do you think that you just kind of go at it and you just learn on your own? Like, do you think you can learn how to do it before you actually do it? Um, I think they're definitely learned. I mean, there's nothing innate about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think most, at least most of the people that I know, and, and certainly myself, we've just, we've kind of learned through doing, mm -hmm. you know, and one of the problems that a lot of people have is just paralysis of inaction, and they're not sure what to do, you know, next. And so mm -hmm. there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of resources out there, a lot of books and resources that are kind of like, you know, pushing people just go for it. And I think that's fine and well, I mean, that's, that's okay. But a lot of people are ready to go for it, but they don't know what to do. You know, they want to take the next step, but what is the next step? And so, you know, I guess what I, what I hope for, you know, out of this project is, uh, okay, if you're ready to take the next step, well, here's the next, like, here's 300 pages of next steps and, you know, checklists and models. And here's, you know, all the mistakes that different people have made so that you can, you know, either avoid them or make those mistakes quickly mm -hmm. and then move on. Um, so I think the learning happens as you kind of, you know, embrace it and begin stepping into it. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I think that I think anyone has the capacity to be it. And I think it's really hard to learn how to run a business without actually doing it. I probably have right. about six years of business education behind me. And right. until I started actually doing it on my own and with other people, right. I didn't really grasp a lot of the concepts. I think sure. it's good to have a foundation, but I think yeah. until you actually start doing it. Yeah, well, the other thing is there's not, I mean, at least in terms of classical or traditional education, mo most business school education doesn't teach people how to run a business, you know, mm -hmm. Teach the, teaches them how to operate in an existing corporate structure or, you know, how to be an executive of something that already exists. It doesn't necessarily teach people how to do what you and I do or what Corbett does or mm -hmm. what, uh, what a lot of these people in the book did. So, you know, that's just something you just kind of learn as you go. In the same way, if you're going to a technical school, you're learning a specific trade. Mm. You know, you don't learn the business side of it usually right. at school either. You learn how to do whatever it is you're trying to make money from, but maybe not how to do it. So, mm -hmm. exactly. So you say you you explain a kind of a blueprint in the book, and do you have pieces that talk about before you kind of make the leap, and then going after, and does it kind of cover the whole spectrum, or is it kind of getting to the point of becoming an entrepreneur? 
Uh, no, it covers the whole spectrum. Awesome. And, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, initial models, like a couple of things, uh, you know, if you, if you want to start a business, a lot of people make things very complicated. And what I like to do is kind of, you know, reduce those obstacles or negate those objections. And, you know, if you want to have a business, all you really need is a, a product or a service, right? You need something mm -hmm. that you're offering. You, you need a group of people, you know, who are willing to, to buy it or pay for it somehow. And then you need a means of getting paid. I mean, those are really the three things that any kind of business is built on. So uh, obviously, like you don't need the MBA, you don't need the 60 page business plan that no one's ever going to read. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you don't need, I mean, the, the, the sooner you can kind of reduce things down to this, you know, the better. And then a lot of people are like, okay, well, what's my idea? How do I find an idea? And how do mm -hmm. I then translate that idea into an offer, which is another thing that people get hung up on. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have like vague business ideas. Like I have this kind of thing and maybe it could be a business, but the sooner you can take that idea and turn it into offer form, you know, mm -hmm. that's when it, that's when you start getting to more of the concrete reality of the business. And then, um, you know, I also talk a lot about this concept of following your passion and, uh, you know, following your passion to the bank. Well, how does that work? Um, mm -hmm. There's lots of passions that you can follow that aren't necessarily valuable, mm -hmm. um, at least to the marketplace. You know, there's lots of things you can do that are fine and well, but you can't really create a business out of them. On the other hand, uh, you know, lots of us have followed our passion and do make a good living doing something that we love. So then what's the difference, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, the difference, you know, is what I call convergence. It's this question of like, you know, doing something that, that you love, um, that other people also value and finding like the overlapping, you know, concentric circle between those things. And that's what every successful business is about. So, um, you know, in different ways, not just through the book, but through my other stuff that I do, like I try to help people, you know, kind of get to that circle um, so that they can succeed. Yeah. And, and I see that in everything you do. I like how you, when you write, it's kind of a no qualifications needed aspect right. of starting a business. Uh, I think a lot of people think they need to get certain degrees or take certain training to get started. But really, to get started, all you need is one person as a client, one person that can pay yep. you to do whatever idea you have is. Exactly. Yeah, very good. And if you can't find one person to pay you, then get five people who will, you'll do it for free. Right, you know? exactly. And do it for free and then ask for their recommendation. And, you know, I mean, like you can, you can build from whatever you have, you know, that the skills that you have are really all you need. You just, sometimes you have to, to transfer those skills a little bit. Sometimes you have to be like, okay, I have these kind of skills, you know, I'm good at, I'm good at something. What else could I be good at? And, mm -hmm. and that's something that I've learned from talking with a lot of people who are entrepreneurs is that they have a certain skill, but they learn to kind of like go through this skill transformation process to, you know, make it something that's more valuable. And so, um, you know, the example of that is like, if you're a teacher, you know, like my wife is a high school teacher for a long time. Mm -hmm. So she was good at teaching. Um, but you know, any teacher is also good at crowd control. <laughs> they're, you know, they're good at discipline. They're good at, um, you know, they're good at public speaking. They're good mm -hmm. at lesson planning. They're good at, um, you know, being focused on objectives. I mean, there's all these like related skills to any particular discipline or training. And so mm -hmm. you, th those things that you learned, you know, I, like, I don't necessarily want to make fun of traditional education all the time. Like I'm grateful for the education that I had, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, the, the skills that you learn, you can then take them and apply them to a business model. Um, and so that's, you know, that's another thing that, that I try to help people with. And so in the book, do you talk about different kinds of business models as well? Uh, yeah, all kinds. I mean, we try to keep it diverse. Uh, it's definitely not a book of about professional bloggers. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, speaking of my own bias, that's something that I had, like, 
I, I heard from lots of professional bloggers and that's kind of, that's somewhat what I do mm-hmm. and that's fine, but I don't like, there's already lots of online resources that go into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wanted to look at some more traditional businesses, uh, retail shops and, you know, more, more client focused kind of stuff. Um, but I, I, you know, I have like a broad range of, of different things. Uh, so small businesses, big businesses, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and that's one thing that Corbett and I try to do with with our size, we try to feature a lot of people that are not in the blogging niche yeah, necessarily. Good, good for you. Yeah, good. Because, you know, that, that niche is already very well served. You know, there's already like plenty of people talking about us already. Right. So. And you get, it gets to the point of where bloggers are just talking about other bloggers. And exactly. so we try to feature, you know, people that are starting clothing lines or do like sewing patterns excellent. or yeah, you know, start a beer company and things like that. And so a lot of people, you know, end up starting a blog and think that they can make money out of it. But really, I think there needs to be a business idea first. Of course, Before yeah. I mean, then the blog then the blog then supports the business. You mm-hmm. know, That's, I mean, almost no one almost no one gets paid explicitly for blogging. You know, right, right. Yeah, you guys understand that, but a lot of people, you know, still don't get it. I mean, the blog has to support some existing structure, or you can create the structure, but there ha- there must be some structure. You know, right, exactly, exactly. So, is there anything we haven't covered in the book that you'd like to share about it? Oh no, that's great, and uh, I don't I don't mean to come on your great podcast and just pimp the book. You know, I'm happy for people to read my blog for free or, you know, steal the book or read it from the library or whatever. <laughs> no, I just, I haven't gotten my hands on a copy yet. So I wanted to get a gist of what the book is about and share it with the audience if they haven't read it yet either. So to kind of switch gears a little bit, there's one question I've always uh, been interested in asking you is when you first purchased chrisgillogo.com, did you ever fathom like the depth and the breadth of what it's become today? Uh, no, I had no idea. And it brings me to a related point. In some ways, I wish I hadn't purchased chrisgillibo.com because no one can spell it. Absolutely, uh, yeah. It's kind of like your name. That's uh, why I don't have my site yeah, on my last like, name. Yeah, good for you. I wish I wish I had followed your your lead there. <laughs> but but no, I mean to answer your direct question, no, I really had no idea, and um, I just wanted to be a writer. I, I felt like I had had a lot of different experiences. I felt like I'd been fortunate to have traveled a lot and to have lived overseas for a number of years, and I felt like I had something I wanted to share with the world and I wanted to build some kind of community, but it was very vague in the beginning and it, it wasn't necessarily that specific. And uh, I started by writing about my journey to every country in the world. And some people found that interesting, but a lot of people were kind of like, you know, why should I care? What does this do for me? Mm-hmm. And and that's a valid question, you know? Um, and so I really had to take a number of steps back and say, okay, what am I trying to build here? And, and how does this help people? And and so that was um, probably a two-year process, you know, since beginning in, in 2008. I mean, it continues, but I think like really getting focused maybe a year or two ago on what, it, what it's really all about. And, and I didn't even have a business model in the mm-hmm. beginning either. I just, I wanted to write a book. I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't have any idea that I would, you know, be creating online products and mm-hmm. have you know, these different revenue streams and do all these other things. That just kind of came about as I, you know, went, went along with it and paid attention to what people were asking about. And so do you do a lot of um, surveying of your audience or just a lot of listening to, to kind of figure out what people are looking for next? Or do you think of something you want to create and something that people would want and just kind of make it? You know, that's a great question. We could do a whole podcast uh, <laughs> just on that one question because I could almost answer it either way. And either way would be correct. I've gone back and forth on this. Like, um, you know, I guess I am a big fan of asking people what they want and then giving it to them. I think Mm -hmm. that business model can be very effective. I also think, though, sometimes people don't know what they want, you Mm -hmm. know, 
um, or sometimes what people want and what they say they want are different. Mm-hmm. And so it can be a, a little bit more subtle, you know, I mean, and, and Steve Jobs is a great example of that, you know, exactly. you know, I think I, I'm probably going to butcher his quote, but he said something about the iPod when he first made that, like no one would ever say like they want the iPod because they couldn't imagine it, you know, he, he just made it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess I go back and forth. I do think listening is very important, but I think there's more than one way to listen. So you can listen by asking directly, or you can listen by just kind of paying attention to trends over time. And um, not not trends in the greater world, but trends, you know, among your own community or audience or whatever. And and uh, and don't worry if you don't have a huge audience. It's the other thing. Like if you have, you know, 100 people or five people, like whatever you have, like that's, um, you know, those people are important and they can help you you know, go to the next direction. So I guess there's more than one way to look at it and mm-hmm. each each way is valid. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think it can go either way. I think that, I think it's very important to survey your audience or just to listen to them and see what they want. But sometimes, right. you know, people don't know what they want and you just need to deliver something that's above and beyond. Right. So I like to briefly talk about the World Domination Summit and what made you want to start hosting your own conference? Because it's a huge endeavor, but it's yeah, it's, it's been very successful. I mean, it sells out in minutes. Yeah, it's huge, but it's years. so fun. It's huge, but but you know, it's so much fun and so rewarding. Uh, you know, we we love it. Um, it's one of the few things I work on a team with. I usually work just by myself, but mm-hmm. for that, we have to have a team. Um, you know, I, so, so I did the book tour. I started doing meetups that really. Ch- and when I just started doing meetups, even before the book tour, um, that definitely you know caused another shift in my whole like way of thinking about the project because I began to see like how much bigger it was, not in terms of scale, but just in terms of like the the amazing remarkable people who are connecting with it mm-hmm. and so i would go into these meetups and i'd come away and i'd be like wow you know caleb's reading my blog like i gotta I got take this seriously like <laughs> I just phone it in you know yeah it just like created more like a greater sense of responsibility for me and so that was a very good thing and then i liked the meetups because people would come together and they would share their own stories and they would connect with each other and like i did a meetup in la and like somebody ended up renting an apartment from someone else um mm-hmm. There was a couple that got together and got engaged from one of the other meetups. And I was like, well, this is fun. You know? Like, this is awesome. So so I guess um, I wanted to think, like, how can we scale that experience a little bit? How can we bring together creative, you know, interesting people from all over the world who kind of see things, you know, from a similar perspective? Not necessarily that we would agree on everything, you know, not the same politics or religion or anything. But, like, we, you know, the same interest in change, the interest in creating things, you know, doing something meaningful with your life. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, we decided, you know, we'll do that in Portland. That's my hometown. We'll call it the World Domination Summit, and we'll invite 500 people. So we did that last year, and you know, first one went pretty well, as you said. And now we're gearing up for the second one. We have more than a thousand people coming this time, and uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where, as we grow, we want to make sure we're growing the right way and organically, and not just, um, you know, for the sake of numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but our our whole goal is to create a meaningful experience, you know, for people to come together and. Uh, you know, come come together in an offline way because everybody's already connected in many ways online, and that's great. Um, and I'm actually, you know, a fan of that. But I also think it's good to have people together in person. Yeah, and I'm I'm looking forward so much to going this year. My wife's going to come this year, and oh, great! And really, for me, it's you know the speakers and the event are great, but it's just the people. You know, being around all the people that you know you're connected with online and just are super inspirational. They're all doing completely different things and. And, you know, their heart is in it completely. So thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Chris. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, where can people find out more about your new book and how to attend your, quote, seven continent book tour? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seven continents. So I'm still working on a few continents there. But uh, they can, they can, uh, the book should be in all bookstores or at Amazon.com. It's called The $100 Startup. 
and they can go to 100startup.com to see all the tour dates. Awesome. Well, thanks again for being on. I look forward to another great weekend in a few months at WDS. Great. Sounds good. Thanks again, man. Yeah, no problem. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Pocket Changed Cubicle Renegade podcast at www.pocketchanged.com. To read this episode's show notes or check out other sessions, head over to cubiclerenegade.com.